With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Freedom Talk. I'm pleased to welcome Anthony Watson from Turning Point USA. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be a part of your podcast. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your story. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, see, you know, in 1989, I'm pretty sure my parents, uh, no, I'm just saying, well, I was born in a uh, small town that's now the fastest growing town in Vineland, New Jersey, where um, this, the place where I come from, you uh, either retire there or you raise a family there. So I was born and raised there. You know, came from two Christian parents. My dad was a pastor. My mom was heavily involved with worship at our church. Yeah. So I grew up in grew up in the faith. You know, was somebody that uh, through high school and everything else really didn't see myself going the academic or career route. I wanted to always be the one that took bigger risks because I was right. somebody that was like, oh, I want to be on television. I want to be, you know, <laughs> a professional athlete. You know, but obviously education was really important to my family. So I did and completed, you know, the education that I needed for that time in my life and then really wanted to compete in the Olympics. So I went and tried out for Team USA, made it as an alternate for Team USA in 2014. And then after competing with Team USA for about three years, I switched to the Jamaican team uh, and then was able to compete in the 2018 Winter Olympics and actually made history as the first ever Jamaican to ever compete in that winter sport in a Winter Olympics in Winter Olympic history ever. So wow. <laughs> So, so that's did, a little bit you, about myself. How, how are you born in the U.S. And, and you get to compete for Jamaica? I don't quite know how that works. So my father was born and raised in Jamaica. So I'm first generation American. Oh, wow. Yep. Wow. That's so cool. And it was the skeleton race, right? Is That's the yes, sir. very small sled, right? Where your legs are out front. Yeah, no, that's luge. So luge is oh, luge. Luge is okay. feet first, skeletons head first, bobsled is two men and four men. Right, right. And and I I have to say it, and I know you hear this, but um, we, the we cool love running. Cool running. <laughs> we well, I will say this: one of my the advisor and the director of the uh, board for the Olympic Committee for Jamaica and my coach at the time were all the original members from the move from the original team that the movie was based off wow. of. So there's a little bit wow. of history for you there. That's so cool. So tell us a little bit. What were you doing for the U.S. Olympic team? What were you competing in there? I was doing bobsled. So oh, okay. I never, I never got to compete for team USA in an Olympics. So I switched and was able to compete. Uh, it was a harder route to get there. Um, but there were more opportunities for myself being somebody that was able to compete for a smaller country. Um, so I left team USA, but on good terms, I just told them that I said, Hey, there's an opportunity presented to me. And I said, thank you so much for everything that you've shown me and taught me. And I'd really like to go explore this and I'd like to be released. And so they released me on good terms. And so um, but I did bobsledding for uh, Team USA, then skeleton, and then um, just did skeleton for the Jamaicans, and then switched to the Puerto Ricans because my mother's Puerto Rican. <laughs> wow! Oh, that's so cool. Well, right. I, man, I I don't know much about your story yet. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person one of these days. But I do understand, you know, just just reading about you that uh, 
you had to give up some things because of your values or or perhaps you should say you ran into cancel culture in a big way. Could you talk about that a little bit, Anthony? Well, I mean, like it, it's a simple it's a simple statement. You know, it's not a drastic story of this and that. Uh, simply put, like what had happened was was the year 2020. This was two years after the Olympic Games I had competed in in 2019. I was going through some federation problems with uh the jamaican team at the time because in their mindset if you're american trying to compete for jamaica then you're taking away opportunities for real jamaicans and hmm. you know, they were they were trying to cut me out of the program without cutting me because cutting me would make it a case for me to take against them so they were making everything literally impossible so come 2020 this was right before the world had shut down i want to say in like january or february um, this was like right after, I think two days, uh, two days before George Floyd was killed, yeah. um, or went before he died. Um, I was, I reached out to turning point because I saw that they had an ambassador program. And at the time I had followed Charlie Kirk. I had watched all of his like debates on college campuses and everything else like that. And so I was really interested in getting involved. And so I applied, I got a phone call two days later, they gave me my graphic to post. And then I posted it the day that George Floyd was declared dead in the hospital. So wow. you can imagine the kind of backlash I got. So all of my athletes who I had started this sport with, you know, disowned me. They told me that, you know, they were siding with the protesters. Other athletes surprisingly were just like, we don't understand why everyone is getting so upset. A guy did something wrong and this is what happened. So it was a very mixed thing. But all of my friends who I was really closest to that had my back in a lot of scenarios during those training camps and during tours during the winter, I kind of felt, lost a lot of respect for me. And then towards the end of the year in December was when I went to my very first turning point event live. And it was there. I posted a picture saying that's where I was. And I was sponsored by like a couple of companies at the time. And then that following year was when none of them renewed my contracts none of them reached out and talked to me again. None of them ever made it um, easy to work with them ever again. And I basically had to say goodbye to my Olympics at that point. Cause a lot of people think that we're like Simone Biles or Michael Phelps. You just get paid all this money, but I'm just yeah. like, Michael Phelps competed in Sydney first. He became an Olympian first, then just dedicated his life to literally eat, sleep and swim. And that's yeah. why he became the greatest Olympian that we know today. Simone Biles, the same thing. Her parents, both of them had to work three part-time jobs each just to support her training schedule, yeah. not let alone her like competition stuff. And, you know, but you see the kind of work that goes in when you have investments in there. But for somebody like myself, you had people in Jamaica that didn't want me because I was an American. You had Americans mm -hmm. that didn't want to support me because I wasn't competing for America. So it kind of left me on a limb by myself. And then when all of those sponsors left, I literally had nothing. And it was almost like being having like that dream ripped away from you unfairly. And yeah. so. Yeah. After that, I went around as an ambassador for Turning Point at the time, going and speaking to students everywhere on just like the simple facts of like, hey, look, this is my story. But after the third time, of third event I did of speaking about myself, I got really bored of talking about myself. And so I started reversing the script and being like, these are the times that we're in. This is what it's going to cost. Who's willing to do that? Because I said, yeah. there's never been a time when truth has been accepted. It's never been popular. It's never been convenient. And it's never been appreciated. The only time truth is sought after and fought for is when it's completely obliterated and everything is going to hell. Hey everybody, Freedom Talk is proud to support our friend, Arizona Sheriff Mark Lamb in his campaign for the U.S. Senate. Please click on the link in the description and donate now. And here's a plus, part of your donation will be matched to help support our hard work here at Freedom Talk. We really appreciate you and we appreciate your support as we teach America to think like a patriot. You can also donate by going to link tr.ee slash real freedom talk i told them i was just like we have the answers because we know how to prepare as conservatives we know how to preserve we know how to make things last for the longevity long-term connection of what we want the world that we're living in to look like and to become so i said that's the kind of world that you now have to start working towards as a young person now because i you know and i said the world ain't going to get easier when you get out there i said you're with your peers now yeah. And if you can't function amount of people your age, I said, what are you going to do when you're a 20 something year old? You got a 50 something year old boss who's now forcing you to do these kinds of things. And because you're young, he's going to use that naivety, naive, uh, like your naiveness to um, now kind of mess with your head to get what he wants rather than knowing what to respect as an American citizen based on the rights that you have. 
And so it, I did that faithfully for two years. So I paid out of my own pocket. I traveled to all of these places and I have, I have passion for young people because I feel like that's the generation of people that yeah. people criticize a lot, but very few people actually go in to go and help. So that's what I fell in love with. And, you know, when you see some of the places that these kids are and how strong they are and how they're standing for truth and everything, it, it motivates you. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's, that's cool. how I, that got started. So Turning Point called me in last year around May, and then they sat me down. They're just like, you've been doing such a good job. Would you consider becoming a contributor and working for us full time? And I said, do I get to still go to schools? And they said, sure. I was like, that absolutely. And that's great. Rest, that's and great. History, and it's been, it's been a dream ever since. Yeah. I, you know, I can relate to the sponsorship because I, I founded a, a marketing and advertising agency and a branding agency and actually uh, represented a couple of, of athletes, including uh, Robert Oberst, uh, world's strongest man competitor. Oh, I was about to say, I was like a big boy. Yeah, he's a big boy. And super Frenchie, who was a, a, an extreme base jumper. I did a little work for them and uh, I set some sponsorships up and, and you know, it's, it's tough because first of all, they can come and go and you have to work very hard to get them. But second of all, you kind of have a peak where you're going to get sponsorships and then you're done. So I, I think sometimes, you know, people take that for granted. They think you're an athlete or you're famous or something. So you're making all this money, but I, I can appreciate that. And, you know, in terms of um, young people, uh, I'm, I'm a father of five. Uh, all the way. Wow. From, God bless. Yeah. <laughs> all the way from uh, 22 down to, to seven. That is awesome. So you yeah. have one for every day of the week and then you get weekends to yourself you and to your wife. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have a basketball team, you know, but uh, yes, sir. Yeah. So I, I, I love what you're doing. I think it's great. I think it's so needed. And, you know, Anthony, um, the experience my older kids had, they're out of the house now, but uh, was that they had more conservative values. You know, they were brought up Christian and in their schools, in their high schools, they could be persecuted for having the wrong opinions, you mm -hmm. know? And I think, you know, we had Steven Davis on our show. Um, we just ran that show yesterday. Um, and by the way, apologies from Nick Natoli. He wanted to be here. He, he wasn't able to make it, but you know. Oh, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Have you met Nick yet? I haven't, but I, yeah, that's, he's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get you guys together for sure. But, um, awesome. you know, we, Nick and I started this counterculture show together mm -hmm after we met at an event in New Jersey. Um, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of that, that place? Really swanky part of New Jersey, but M Mawa, I think it's called. Mawa, New yeah, Jersey. Mawa. Yeah. Um, but we just recognized that uh, entertainers, athletes, artists, creatives have this immense opportunity to, to create a counterculture because now the woke left is the establishment. So yeah. people like you, people like Nick, um, We've, you know, Forgiato Blow, uh, Bryson Gray, um, all of these people have such an impact. And you're kind of the rebels now, like, like Nick says, good is the new badass, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so thank you. For, thank you so much for what you're doing. And, oh, uh, no. Th yeah, th this is this is one of those things that I tell people. And this is something that I had to learn, you know, because when you first start out doing something, it's like you can kind of, if you're not doing it for the right reasons from the jump, always drift into doing it strictly for the accolades and the admiration that comes with it. But when you're doing what's right, you're not supposed to get admiration and anything like that. That's just what you're naturally supposed to do. That's what you're yeah. supposed to be taught to do. And that's what you're supposed to fight for when it's when it's under attack. So when I first started, there were a lot of things that, you know, like, and I would go to people and it would kind of be the Anthony show. She's like, oh, this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. And this is what I'm trying to do, blah, blah, blah. And it just became... And to me, it kind of seems like there's too much competition rather than people wanting to actually like collab and like do work together because we're stronger together. Like yeah. your skills may not be mine. Like I don't have a podcast, but you have a podcast, you know, that kind of thing. And we work together to now tell people that look from different walks of life, people look different, talk different. But I said the values and the morals that we preach are universal, which goes to show okay. that it's not a white, uh, a, a white, oh, I can say white wing or right wing extreme <laughs> yeah. kind of. Uh, yeah. you know, ideology, you know, I'm a Christian first and foremost. And what I tell people nowadays, as I said, when Jesus said that broad is the road, broad is the gate that leads to destruction and many are on it. I was like, it's easy to be bad. It's easy to go do that stuff because I said, people do that by the masses. But I said, he said, narrows the gate and tiny is the road that leads to life and very few find it. And I said, yeah. but there, you got to look at that verse. Cause he said, very few find it. That means you actually have to do your part in looking for it. 
because God says that he's like, if you seek me, you'll find me. And there is yeah. no subjective truth that keeps changing like the woke left keeps doing, where it's just like, oh, well, science used to mean facts. Now science only means facts when you want it to prove a yeah. point that you're trying to make. And so now we need to be people that actually stand up on the courage of truth with conviction for the truth and unwavering desire to make sure that that is the message that's given no matter what the cost. Because I say our forefathers in this country fought a war against the most organized militia with a bunch of people who know that they just didn't want tyranny. They didn't want a king. They wanted to live as free men. And I said, a lot of them died in warfare and in battle for a vision of a country that a lot of them didn't even get to live to see or to experience or live in. And I said, we're products of that. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And I said, so to sit here and make it seem like we're a terrible country, no country is without its skeleton. Yeah. But I said, the adage is true. If you don't learn from the mistakes that people made in the past, you're doomed to repeat them and in with far worse consequences the second time around that they come. So yeah. what I try to tell people is just like, don't disrespect and don't disregard the gift that you have here because government comes and they offer you these tiny little fragment piss on gifts that they make out to be really grand, grandiose and, and, and um, you know, exuberant. And then they require almost all of your liberties in exchange. And then when it's gone, what to get more, you've got to give more away to get some. I said, that's how government works. And one of the things that I think that we need to start doing is start bringing the word republic back. Not Republican, republic. Absolutely. In media, in history books now, even in board games that have to do with the United States, it always says, what's the United States? A A dictatorship, a communist state, a democracy, or something else, and it's yeah. like a democracy. I'm like, no, the rule of democracy is the people in power tell the people beneath them, yeah. these are the rules and this is how it's going to go. Oh my, I said like, a republic is yeah. the people here tell the elites how it's going to go yeah. and they put one person up there to make yeah. sure that they speak for them. And I said, now you have in the game of politics, it's the whole art of pleasing people, which is why you have a bunch of people that run good campaigns, but as soon as they get into Washington and people find their price tag, then they start speaking the same old swamp jargon that they do, where it's just like, well, we tried and we did this. And the first person after years of having everyone say that nothing could be done with President Donald Trump in one year got done things that people for 30, 40 years said was impossible, which unveiled the deep state. Yeah. To where we yeah. see it now. Oh my gosh. You know, you're you're a little bit more tan than me, but I'm pretty sure we're brothers because man, you speak my language. You're you're gonna love to read some of the things I've written because I'm talking about that all the time about how we're a republic and how pure democracy leads to mob rule, which then leads to chaos, which allows the tyrants to come in and take absolute control. And this has happened again and again through history from from Greece on, you know, to Rome. It's it's happened time and again, and people fall for the for the same old lies you know but as as far as this country goes people bagging on this country you know i i think of frederick Douglass. a lot of people make a lot about his speeches and and as if he was anti-us but he called the constitution a glorious liberty document and i think it was martin luther king jr who called the declaration of independence the great promissory note so there was an understanding there that yes slavery was a great evil for example there were other things that that uh where people didn't live up to the ideals of this country, but they also recognized that it's a work in progress. You don't just write something down and suddenly you do it perfectly. You know, what, what right. are your thoughts on that? Well, what was the question again? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was taking it everything you no, were no, I was like, this is so rich. Not, not so much of a question, but uh, I, I, w- let me phrase it as a question. Uh, why, why, why do you think we have shifted from people like George Washington Carver, Martin Luther King Jr. to, and even even Malcolm X, I think to some degree he was a bit extreme, but they came from the standpoint of America is supposed to be this ideal. We need to bring it there. I have a dream. How is it now that people are basically wanting to throw all of that away, throw away the constitution? 
because people are lazy. That's literally the only thing that I can chalk it up to. You have a generation of people that don't want to work, that can't hold a job, that don't even know how to express themselves. Everything is all about how they feel to the point where if they feel like something one day, they go and be that. And you have a, you have a mob of people that try to validate people and what they think they are rather um, than what they are than, and mm-hmm. who they are. And yeah. so when you have a group of people that do that, um, it's no, it's no, it shouldn't be, it's, it shouldn't shock anybody why you see people in the way that we are right now, because when you don't give people work ethic, because when you like, look, as an athlete, I'm told that like, when I go to the gym, I have to get X amount of sets done X amount of, you know, like reps done in an X amount with an X amount of weight. And when I look at it on paper, I'm like, it's hard, but I know I'm not going to get stronger unless I put my body through the pain of getting used to something until I can bear under it and then actually get normalized with it. And the same way that you normalize people to become strong and, 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 uh, you know, nimble and all of these and, and humble and all of these things that actually add to a society, you literally have to train people the same exact way to be mediocre, to be lazy and complain. Because now all the people that are getting success are the ones that use their race, use their gender, use their non-binary stupidity, the LGBTQ plus alphabet mafia that's out there that's now trying to literally say that they groom kids and stuff. And so all of this stuff that you see happening is strategic because when you can get people to hate where they come from, when you can get people to not appreciate the things that have been offered to them through people's death, then you will guilt trip an entire generation that will literally freely give away anything that they are holding on to with that or they are naturally in their rights to have just to avoid being seen and perceived as something. And you see it in a lot of ways. You have comics nowadays and comedy that when they, it used to just be jokes. There was no limit or hold bar. Now, whenever they want to say a funny joke, you got to have like the explanation before the tag and then the punchline. And then by that time, if mm. it hasn't sank yet, it's just hit or miss. You know, we live in a state and in a country right now where you're being persecuted for things that literally you were that you that you're literally nobody thought would be like second nature to be to, to be having conflict over whether or not you're a boy or a girl, whether or not you want to raise your son to be a son or yeah. in a man yeah. or if and, and the thing that bothers me the most is that the people that hate children support abortion up to late terms in the womb and all of these other things that can't stand kids, young adults or anything else. But yet they want the most inf- impactful and influential positions over them as teachers, counselors, you know, all of those things to try and affirm them for an agenda. And I tell everybody, it's just like, if you want to know the real tyranny that we're starting to see happen here, read the book, Love Letter to America. Thomas mm. Schumann or Yuri Bezmenov was the former KGB agent yes, who actually yes. used to train, yeah. who used to train KGB agents in tactical warfare. And so he said, when communists would take over, they would do it in four stages. They would demoralize a state or a country, then they would destabilize it, then they would create create a crisis and cause a rebellion, and then they would take over by normalizing everything. And yeah. what, what it's like it's happening here. What have we demoralized? We've demoralized the word of God. Now you have people that literally in Jesus' name inside of churches now are saying that God ordains all of this homosexual stuff, this transgender stuff, when the Bible clearly does not. Then, you know, you have permissiveness in education. They demoralize the students and everything else. Then everything that they're doing there from then on that goes to destabilizing where they destabilize the economy, make the food harder to get, make the prices higher, make Mm -hmm. gas impossible to afford and everything. Then they cause a crisis and then cause a rebellion. They create so much unrest that then they just throw a lit match and a fuse into a pool of gasoline and have everybody fight it out. And then they take over because when they let the people and what you're seeing now, when the people start causing all of these issues, then it makes them feel like, oh, well, here comes the government with the solution. It was the same thing that you saw with COVID. Yeah. You know, the same people that swore up and down, if Donald Trump says that I have to get this vaccine, I'm not getting it. So I'm like, how in the heck in a span of about six weeks did you go from this is the dumbest thing, this isn't going to help, to now telling yeah. all of us that if we don't get it, these are the punishments that we get. Yeah. And now they tried normalizing it. And now we're getting close to election time again. And guess what's popping its head up again? COVID. Yeah. Yeah, you're. you're uh, it's funny because Stephen mentioned Yuri Bez, uh, Bezmenov, I believe it is. Let me see, Bezmenov. Yeah, and I, I had just recently read some of his quotes, so we're we're on the same line of thinking. And you know, communism has killed somewhere in the 20th century estimates between 100 to 300 million people. 
more than any other ideology that that I know of, um, that communism is killed. And people say, well, you know, socialism, democratic socialism. Well, Vladimir Lenin said that the goal of socialism is communism. And people are flirting with this all over again. And they're literally flirting with democide, with, with mass killings, with a government killing its own people. Are you concerned about things that are happening politically right now? What, what are your thoughts about these indictments, the, the mug shots, you know, the arrests, uh, the, the treatment of Donald Trump, for example, right now? Does that, does that concern you greatly or what, what, what do you think? I, it's concerning. Is it concerning me greatly? No, because I mean, like we look at the world now and we've seen generations go through this stuff before. And it's the whole adage of like getting pushed by a bully until you finally cock back and swing and knock him out. And I think that what people are finally seeing now is the unfiltered, unadulterated bias that we now are seeing against Donald Trump and Americans that support true freedom and liberty for everybody from mm -hmm. small things from like, the, the don't tread on me flag that's now deemed associated with slavery. That you know, was so, crazy because it has you know nothing what I'm to saying? do with that, that little it's boy. It's got yeah. nothing to do with slavery. Yeah. You know? I've been a dad for about 23 years. I have five kids from 23 to eight years old. Fatherhood has always been very important to me. But over the time I've been a father, the world has gone mad. Judeo-Christian values are under serious attack and morality has been turned upside down. I'm sure you've noticed there's a war against the family and especially against fathers. Sick, twisted ideologies are targeting our children through Hollywood, music, and even in our schools, many of which have become radical left-wing indoctrination centers. Our culture needs good, strong fathers more than ever. That's why Freedom Talk is thrilled to announce a new seminar that will give you the guidance you need. It's called Fathering in a World Gone Mad. We've brought together remarkable male role models to share their wisdom on the art of fatherhood. Eric Metaxas, Victor Marks, Sheriff Mark Lamb, Bill Scarlett, and more lead an all-star lineup that will guide you through the pitfalls of postmodernism and Marxist ideology so that you can bring your children up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Hosted by yours truly and Pastor John Amonchukwu, Fathering in a World Gone Mad includes a free copy of my book, Guidebook for a Son, a study guide, and opportunities for you to ask your most pressing questions and get the help you need. Purchase access now and watch the series on your timeline beginning September 15th, 2023. Plus, you get a free digital copy of my book, Guidebook for a Son. Every dad needs a guidebook, and I've got one for you. I think you're going to enjoy it. To register, just go to realfreedomtalk.com. That's realfreedomtalk.com, and click on the Fathering Seminar tab. We hope to see you there. From the moment the doctor placed you in my arms, I cried. Giving glory to God, the passion I feel inside. Emotions I couldn't hide. And look in your mom's eye. It was so beautiful, I ain't gonna lie. And such a still, quiet moment set our hearts on fire. It's the epitome of purpose. Blessing to cover curses. Hoping all of my searches. I can die for you, be certain. Every drop I bleed is worth it. This moment is so perfect, so real, so cherished. I'm healed, so nourished. No place I wouldn't go, nothing I wouldn't do. I shall call her as a I've given this name to you. Cause it means that God helps. And I knew that was so true. As I sang this song to you. Always my my whole view is is like i i don't find this hopeless because i was like this has only happened because the majority the silent majority has been silent for too long if we yes. were the loud majority i was like this wouldn't have happened and so with all of these things that they're now trying to bring up again especially with masks and potential lockdowns i was like we suffered through that the first time because people were taking too many personal liberties that they kept making out in the name of your best safety and interest with no interest for anybody but themselves because you saw everybody locking us down telling us we can't go anywhere but then they're on yachts having masks parties when everyone else is away and when they got called to account for it they had nothing to say you it's, know it's animal farm it's George Orwell's Animal Farm. Have you seen the old cartoon Animal Farm? Uh, yes, I have. Like we need a we need a new version of that updated, and maybe it's it's Chinese communism now instead. But you're right. I mean, rules for thee, but not for me. Mm -hmm. didn't, didn't mean to cut you off there, Anthony. No, no, no. But so, like, to answer your question about like you know mm -hmm. what's my thought process on this? If people don't see now what tyrannical government means, then they won't understand why America is America because America left England because of what's starting to be implemented now. Because in England, through the monarchy, you know, whatever the king said is what happened and anything else was treason outside of what he believed. 
and they came here for religious freedom, putting God above everybody else. And now you're starting to see that because in a communist country, like like Yuri Bezmenov said, that he's just like the first place that people like this always attack is religion. Because in the end, if you don't have a higher power above the people that are forcing you to do things, then he says the only thing that you're left to do with, with yourself is wish for death. Because at, at least death will take you out of the equation altogether. But there, if every person who was good just gave into that, then there'd be nothing left. I tell everybody that everything that is evil always falls apart. It always implodes and it always swallows its own. And when the house collapses, you need to be the few people because it's always few. You need to be the few people that are left standing when the rubble is cleared. Because I said, you either stand through the wreckage or you get crushed in it. At the same and that's time, why you need to share foundation on that. Yeah, absolutely. At the same time, when people don't stand up, a lot of damage can be done. A lot of people can die. And that's something, you know... Um, Eric Metaxas wrote about in Letter to the American Churches. I don't know if you've read that book, but he yes. talks about, yeah, I mean, the spiral of silence, you know, um, people don't speak up. It makes it harder for those who do, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I want to. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Suggest a book to you too. You just suggested one. I'm going to look that one up, but maybe you've read it, but it's one of my favorite books. It's Inventing Freedom by Daniel mm -hmm. Hannon. Have you read that one? I, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. But, oh, it's, um, so it, it's it's been like you're like the fourth person within the past <laughs> two weeks to recommend that to me. So <laughs> I think that's a sign. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have that book so highlighted, and he talks about how we have this heritage of freedom going back hundreds of years, mm -hmm. and how the American Revolution was first considered an English Civil War, like the Second English Civil War, but um, that we've had this idea that there's common law that it's the law of the land that belongs to the people. And the king is accountable to the law. And we talk about the rule of law. And the main purpose of the rule of law is to keep the authorities in check and to yep. be something that, that helps the people and gives you a fair trial and all the rest. Um, but now we've slipped into rule by law, where the, the, you know, this law fair is using um, the law against people, using it as a club. That's, mm -hmm. that's, I've been working through that. I'm still working through that. It's been used against right. me. But um, anyway, just just great, great book. And I'll send you some some papers I've written and things too. Uh, I, Please I'm, do. Yeah, I'm a contributor for the Epic Times. And uh, oh no uh, way! I was like, yeah. I got friends over at the Epic Times. I'm good friends with Roman. Oh, with whom? Roman. He's the. Uh, oh yeah, the, Roman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was supposed to go to uh, Sri Lanka with Roman in a small team because I. No had, way. Yeah, I had taught there, 1990 to 91. But but guess what? I was supposed to go because, uh, among other things, I have a background in, uh, I have a master's of environmental science. I was trained by the Department of Defense of Defense and Environmental right. Remediation, Agriculture, all that stuff. But yeah. they, uh, Qatar Air rejected me three times from going on the plane because I didn't have a vaccine passport. I had a letter from the director of the health, the, the country's health minister in Sri Lanka saying mm -hmm. I could just take a test when I got there. The, the, the people on the airlines on the phone told me, yeah, if you have that letter, you can go. But uh, it was, it was a nightmare, but I was supposed to go with Roman, but yeah, Roman's a great guy. I'll, I'll, we'll have to. Yeah. The first, day, the, the, the first day that I ever met him and then I think it, uh, his, his boss and his wife, and then the two other main reporters that they had, mm -hmm. um, I was sailing with my good friend, James O'Keefe. And it was oh, like something, geez. it was like something yeah. out of a movie. So James was busy giving them information on a story he 
later released but at the time it was still like hidden info and he's just like yeah let's get he's like we'll get our journalist you get your journalist and we'll do like an op-ed on it i'm just like holy smokes man this is like a movie it's just like what are y'all going to expose and just like covid i was like oh sweet well maybe you and i can sit down and have a cup sometime it'd be really great and swap stories and everything i'd love to uh i I have a a quick little story about james o'keefe though if you'd like to hear it (laughs) A couple of years ago, I was at America Fest and I was just kind of getting into this world and, and trying to meet people. And James O'Keefe was there. He's behind the velvet ropes. And you know how it is at America Fest. You've been to America Fest, I'm sure. Yes. Yes. You know, somebody prominent comes in, everybody flocks over and everybody wants to meet him. So there was, there was a line there and it was a pretty short line. So I went over and got in the line and the security people said, I'm sorry, this, this lady in front of you, she's the last one. I said, you can't have one more. No, no, that's the last one. And so... <laughs> So I went away for a little bit. I went and watched from behind the velvet ropes. And then uh, the security guy turned around and I slipped back in and went in. (laughs) 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 James, I was not going to be denied meeting you. So, Uh, yeah, he's he's done some incredible work. And and man, has that guy taken some hits. You know, that's that's the thing. As you know, Anthony, you're going to you're going to take hits when you stand up for the truth. And absolutely. you were cancel culture. Have you gotten any any threats or uh, just nasty comments from people? Of course, you know. Yeah. But the thing is, is just like um, I don't give people like that too much attention, and I feel like a lot of content creators, a lot of in- oh, I hate that word. I do too. Of, I do too. A lot of influencers. Oh, I can't. Are you sure we weren't separated at birth? <laughs> <laughs> we need some better terms. A lot uh, of a lot of. Uh, influencers and you know show people it's like they give way too much credit to their to the negative audience like me on my social media i i'm honest with everyone i'm they're just like i don't ever see any negative comments on your page i was like because i delete it i was like on my social media that's my page and i was like i don't have time to sit here and argue with people and if i don't like it you can leave I was yep. like, you don't have to follow me. And if your whole purpose of following me is to just like criticize everything I'm doing, I was like, you get the scissors and I'm not even going to blink twice about it. I was like, my block list on my social media, literally you have to scroll like 12 times like this to see the amount of people that I just don't have time for. Yeah, and cool. everyone, everyone cool. thrives off of it because in the time where you're supposed to be sacrificing for the greater good of other people, you have other people literally walking around wanting to be martyrs and like play the victim card here just to grow their audience like oh i'm being persecuted i'm like dude like when the heck are you not ever going to have people that disagree with you for saying yeah. something like this it's yeah, not like about it. getting people to disagree once you say something stand behind it shut up suck it up and keep moving <laughs> i'm so sick of conservative creators that literally sit here once they make a firm stance on something yeah. then make a second video like a few days later being like let me clarify what i said i'm like no you don't oh, need man. to clarify we heard like what you, you said like from you. the get-go <laughs> so stick stick with it yeah i say what i say and if you don't like it you're blocked deleted be gone you don't yep. need to see yep, what i'm exactly. doing here and i was like i got no time to waste trying to appease people that are doing that i was like my mission is to say with the truth and to let the truth speak for itself because I don't have to do anything to prove what I already know to be true. Yes. Yes, man. I, I, I like you. I, I went back and looked at some blocks on Facebook at the height of, and I'll tell you sometime about what, what we went through, but I, it was like over a two year period, I blocked 300 or 3000 accounts and, and I rarely answer, almost never answer, but you, you know, when I do answer, usually it's because I see somebody where, maybe they've got a little bit of an open mind left and and we try not to do the, you know, the mocking and the liberal tears and all that kind of thing. I mean, we're going to be firm about what we believe, but I'm just like you. If, if they get uh, abusive, nasty, you know, they're just there to not, not to listen, but just to shout, then, then they're gone. You know? Yeah. And, and I don't do that either. I don't do the name calling. I don't, I've never, I've never called anyone a libtard or I've never said I'm drinking. I mean, I'll joke about it amongst conservative company, but like I've never used any of that in an argument because that doesn't make me any better than the person that's calling me uh, a white supremacist or, or, or yeah. racist or, yeah. or homophobic. Those are things that a lot of people now, like those actually used to mean something back in the day when people actually were carrying out racist you know and phobic tendencies on people just because they hated people or discriminated against people you know that was wrong but you use it so frequently now that it doesn't carry the same amount of weight that it used to like when you hear racist when you hear racist now nobody bats an eye or flinches people will look and be like "Eh." 
that kind of thing. But when he was like, yo, that person's racist, like 10 years ago, people used to stop and be like, what happened? What'd they say? Don't do that. That's not yeah. good. That kind of thing. But because it's been slapped on literally things like stickers, slogans, I was like t-shirts, hats. I was like, you know, things. And then, you know, you actually take the act of racism, which is discriminating against people because uh-huh. of their race. And nobody holds the black community accountable, <laughs> except yeah. except me and except me and yeah. Stephen, because when you know you go some places and you hear people, man, all these white people. I'm just like, okay, if that was somebody that said all these black people, I was like, you'd be wanting to fight. So I was like, why is it okay for you to do that, but not them? So I'm just like, you got to be fair here, and you got to be you got to be logical, because none of this stuff ever makes sense because everyone is trying to do it by <laughs> by putting enough out there to have everyone feel sorry for them, but then they weaponize it to get people to give them stuff. And I'm just like, look, you sit still long enough, you actually listen to the argument, people will debunk it themselves. Prime example, I have a bunch of black people that tell me, because they're just like, I I tell people, I don't believe in white privilege. I I said, I think it's a scare tactic that a lot of people make up to guilt white people into giving them stuff. I said, that's what I think white privilege is. And they're just like, well, just because it's not happening to you where you are doesn't mean it's not happening other places. I said, but you just debunk yourself. Because I said, if it ain't happening where I'm at and I'm intentionally going places, maybe you should try coming where I'm at to actually see it from my perspective rather than just assuming that everybody's like this. Because I said, you said it yourself. It ain't happening to me. So I'm just like, if it ain't, yeah, I mean, like yeah. there have been times I'm, that I have right been discriminated and yeah, everything I, else. If I have white privilege, please take it away because I, <laughs> I have not had an easy life. You know, it's like, and it's such it's such an insult you know it's such an insult to say because of the amount of of melanin in your skin it's going to determine uh you know your status in this world and i know we all have challenges i've i've had a challenge being a a father a white father and at one point i was a single dad and i was on the man the bottom of the totem pole and i can't i can't claim to understand what it feels like to be to be black in America, but I, I do know what it feels like to face discrimination and prejudice. I, I got a job one time and I was told by the HR director, well, we really had wanted a black person, but you know, and I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just chopped liver then. Like no, nobody wants that black or white. You don't want to think you're hired for the color of your skin. You want to think you're hired because you, you want to be hired off of your meritocracy. You, you want to uh-huh. be hired because you do a yeah. good job. But I mean, like my encouragement to you and everybody else that might think the same way that you do is don't ever put yourself in a box where you think that you'll never have a full prospect of what people, what, what people go through just because you don't look like me. Mm-hmm. You just said right there that you went through something because you're a white person. And someone said, we wish that we had a black person. There have been times that I've sat down with people and I, and they've said, well, I mean, you're not really what we're looking for. We're looking for someone more like this. And I'm just like, ah, you know, but if people in the 60s, when they, when literally discrimination was against the color of your skin, had stopped every single time they wanted to knock an opportunity, we wouldn't have progressed to where we are. Yeah. So you may not have the same scenarios that I've been in, the same situations or circumstances that I've faced, but every single person who is a human being that has a heart, emotions, feelings, and blood flowing through their veins has felt alone, has felt yeah. betrayed, yeah. has felt afraid, has felt yeah. happy, has felt sad, has felt anger, mm-hmm. has felt pain, has felt everything. That's what connects all of us. Now we're having a, gump, a bunch of people now marginalize themselves being like, oh, well, you just don't know what it's like being a black man. Well, you don't know what it's like being a white man. Well, you don't know what it's like being a woman. You don't know what it's like being a Latin like American, American. supporting woman. You know? So it's just like, then you have this yeah. comparison battle. It's just like, look, man to man, you as a man have experienced things that I as a man have experienced from two different films, but it's made you feel the same thing. And it's got, you've got to separate the scenario, address the feeling, and then bring truth to the feeling so that no matter what you feel, you know what the truth is. Because the truth and a moment of happiness will take you to the top of a mountaintop when something good happens. And then one negative comment later, your feelings will tell you that same mountain you spent this entire time climbing. Now you got to jump off of it because now it's not worth yeah. it anymore. Yeah. So it's not about feeling and being like, I can't relate. It's just like, you may never be able to relate, but you can relate to the same thing that you've experienced here. And that's what makes us brothers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to, I want to show you something real quick here, Anthony, because I know you're running out of time, but I think you're really going to like this because you, you like, uh, you like young people. So this is a, a seminar I've put together and I'm just launching it. it oh, I see. know those guys. Yeah. Do you know John Amanchukwu? Yeah, John Amanchukwu. Yeah. Pastor Rule. He's yeah, awesome. He's, he's awesome. Yeah, Victor he... Marks. He's a personal friend of mine. I've met Sheriff right. Lamb. Yeah. And then I, I haven't, and I, man, it's a dream of mine to meet Eric McTaxis at some point. Well, so 
Yeah, um, John's been on the show twice. Um, I, I know Victor. Um, Sheriff Lamb's a good friend. I've I've talked with General Flynn a few times. I haven't met Eric Metaxas yet. I'm going to um, meet him through this. But um, what this is, is it's a six-part seminar. John and I are going to be co-hosting it. And we'll have these four guys um, as guests for different different sections, different sections of it. And uh, the goal is that we're going to bring some wisdom for parents, also for kids. But it's going to be an online seminar. You don't have to be present. Um, we're going to pre-record it and then um, charge people that have access to it, which will go toward some of the work that we do. And we're going to we can do like group rates and things like that too. But um, I, I, th I think it's going to be fantastic. And what a blessing to have these gentlemen uh, participating in that. So I'm actually going to talk to uh, Turning Point and see if you guys want to collaborate on this. Hey, I'd love to show up and cover it. Great. You know, I, I'd be I'd be open to having, uh, you know, another guest or like you, you can see the topics, the main topics. Well, they're based on a book that I wrote called Guidebook for a Son and um, Love, Marriage and Sex, True Strength and Self-Defense. Making Your Place in History, Reconciling Science and Religion, Finding God, Understanding Suffering and Evil. Hey, um, I could talk about that. Yeah, all of that. Making your, <laughs> making your place in history. I know. I there you go. That. Well, hey, you know, I, I've kind of asked each speaker to, to pick one of those topics. But if, if you'd like to, I mean, you know, this is this is the main presentation, but I would love to, to have some extras in there. And um, let's talk about it if you'd like to be a part of it. Hey, I'm telling you right now, I'd like to be a part of it. That's that's all the talking. Okay, cool, man. And um, we, we're also, uh, you can go to realfreedomtalk.com to register, but you can also become an affiliate. So uh, what we do is you go on to the website, look for become an affiliate, that tab, and you just put in some information. We give you uh, an affiliate link, a QR code. And when you share it on your social media or wherever you share it, when somebody signs up, you get uh, a percentage back as as a thank you, as a commission. So, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm uh, like I said, I'm a dad. I definitely have a heart of a father. Uh, I wrote this book for my sons. I started when my oldest sons were young, and finally finished it and published it a few years ago. And I'll I'll send yeah. you a signed copy of the book too. I'd I'd like to do that later yeah, on. Yeah, please please do. I, I think I, I think right here, you know, this is important, especially now since fatherhood is under attack. You know, you have a deep state that's made it popular and common for dads to literally just make kids and then abandon responsibility and you know for like nobody to even count or trust on trust in them you know so i i think that this is good because it's not just for fathers this could be for young guys like myself that want to be fathers someday yes yes i i was always taught you don't wait for kids to be born to figure <clears throat> out how to start praying and asking god for wisdom and guidance to do that you need to before you have kids know how you're going to raise them how yep. you're going to discipline them how you're going to instruct them and stick to that because you have a lot of parents right now that are trying so hard to be their kid's best friend when really they don't need more friends they need parents yeah well i i have been a father for over 22 years i have a bachelor's degree in english and theology minor in Spanish. I have a master's degree. Like I said, I have a lot of life experience. So I, and I, and I've had some people read the book and give me feedback on it. And I think there's, there is a lot that's useful there if you want to be a father someday. And one small case in point, I, when I went, I went to this Bible school and got a, a bachelor's degree in theology. And I had a certain view of, of the creation, the origin of the cosmos, that kind of thing. And, and then I went to grad school and I'm studying science and I'm seeing things that really contradicted with the way I had learned about it. And I had this crisis and I became agnostic. And I came to this place where as painful as it would have been, if the evidence had led to all these things in the Bible or fairy tales, I would have had to honestly say I'm, I'm an atheist. But I studied for years, everything I get my hands on. I actually ended up writing with some, some very prominent authors, which, which you'll read about in the, in the book. Um, but I came to a new understanding and a much richer, deeper understanding and actually rec reconciled theology and science and found out that some of the great theologians from Augustine on up, some of the great scientists who were also Christians, didn't look at things the way that some people do today. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag. But uh, so the chapter I wrote on that is, I think, incredible and, and needed for young people because young people... Uh, 
come out of church, go into higher education and suddenly have a crisis because they've been taught a, a fundamentalist view of things. So anyway, that's, mm -hmm. that's opening a can of worms, but there's a chapter on um, suffering and why they're suffering. And, you know, I, I'll send you a copy of it. I'm, I think uh, some areas could be controversial, but I encourage people from the get-go in the book to question everything, to have an open mind. Um, but then you have to make truth your own. You have, like you can learn, like I was a preacher's kid growing up. I was taught things. I was in the church all my life. And at one point I had to kind of start over and build a new foundation that was my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, That's beautiful. you said you grew up in the church too. I did. And to be honest, I never, I, I had a big season where I almost walked away from my faith because everything I was questioning just didn't make sense. And I think what, what blew that apart for me was one day I remember being really upset about something. And I had a friend of mine who I love dearly pray over me. And I felt this overwhelmingly unexpressible, just rush of overloading mm -hmm. love that made me want to let go of everything I was holding it like, and people, I was like, the only way I can describe it is just like, I was holding, like I had a, a, a boatload of garbage in my arms. And when I felt that love, I dropped everything and I ran and I hugged it. Yeah. And that was what reignited my faith. And that's what I'm passionate about more than anything now is because what I tell people is just like, you're born and you're in this world. I was like, you do know that when you pass away, you do not cease to exist. You're going to spend eternity somewhere, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I was just like, and God is clear. He says through his creation, through his word, through his prophets, his disciples, and everything around you that you know, I was like, nobody will be able to stand before him without excuse. Yeah. And right now you have a lot of people that are looking in the face of a holy God, our Savior Jesus Christ, with two middle fingers in the air and saying that they want to take the temporary satisfaction now for an eternity away from him. You know, but when you think about the person who's all knowing, all loving, all powerful, everywhere that you can imagine him to be, if he were to just show himself, everyone wouldn't love him voluntarily. They'd love him out of fear. So he hides himself yeah. behind certain things yeah. and he gives you glimpses of himself to reignite your faith, give you strength and courage, give you hope to keep you going and pushing forward when everybody else is finding, giving you reasons to stop. And what makes our faith different than everybody else is because when people look at us, it's always in the suffering. It's always in the hard times that we have peace. We have happiness. We have joy because we're holding on to what God is promising us after we get out of that. And everyone is just counting down the days until the next problem comes, yeah. not even looking forward to what they're Beautiful. doing right now. Yeah. And so that is what I do my entire existence. Now I go to, I go to schools, I give people their facts. You know, I talk about, you know, and I give examples of like, when they say this, this is what it looks like. This is how it's being implemented here. Look at it here. This is what the law says. But I said, but let's go back. As I said, in an environment, you have seen history after history after history, centuries of people that through time have literally gone through tyrannical stuff everywhere. And I said it was always the Christian people that were persecuted first, but stood the longest, and their reach kept expanding no matter how many people tried to expand them. And I said, that's the team I want to be on. Yeah. And I said, because yeah. that, those people know how to fight. And they Absolutely. do it joyfully. And I said, when you can't make anybody feel worthless or any useless to anybody, that kind of thing, because they know what their identity is in, which isn't the person of Jesus Christ, not in this, you know, this rainbow flag or anything else that literally has no definitions to it. You know, I said, God is the one who gives you your existence. God is the one who gives you your meaning. God is the reason. God, God is the one who gives you your reason. Jesus is the person who gives you your why. And he's the one that sustains you and helps you endure it. I was like, we endure for what we know is coming. The world, they get through it to try and get to the next thing, and then they fall apart at the next thing. And I'm just like, I would want, I wanted something that I could walk on my hands and knees on broken glass for, something that I could happily walk into death for. And I've got that now. And that's the conviction that I walk in every day. And it's been hard. There are days that I still doubt what, what I'm doing is what I'm doing. But then when I doubt that, that's when God shows up. And I'm just like, all right, I'm still doing what yeah. I'm supposed to. Yeah. And we, we are living in... You know, interesting times, and you don't want to live in interesting times. It's, Absolutely, it's a it's a tough time. It's scary, and people need others they can look up to. And I, I want to thank you for being one of those people. I want to thank you for doing what you're doing. And we'll, we'll definitely talk about this upcoming seminar. And I think you 
are a really great role model for young people. Um, it's one thing to take advice from a gray beard like me, but you know, you're an athlete, you're younger, you've been through that journey. You, you, you seem very authentic to me. So um, I, I appreciate meeting you. I feel like, you know, all joking aside, we, we have, uh, we, we're of the same spirit, you might say. Yeah, it feels like we've known each other our whole lives. But I say that's the beauty of, of being on the right side, because no matter what your circumstances are, your scenarios, we're the type of people and other people like us that when you say one thing, people don't need to go through the long explanations of the why. They just know when they hear like this, it's just like they, they get it and they feel it here. Yeah. And then you've got more brothers in arms because in this culture war that we're having, I was like, people are born into it before they even know what they're fighting in. And it's not a war that you get an honorable discharge from. You don't get to retire from it. You don't get to collect a pension in it. You're literally fighting from the time you're born until the time God calls you home to be with him. Yeah. So when you realize that there is a generation of people, that's when you realize it affects everybody and it needs everybody. The older generation, your job is to pass the wisdom down to me. My job is to live that out for the people coming behind me. And it's to you know make sure it's the next generation of the kids that I want are raised in that mindset of what was shared past and, and, you know, inspired and influenced on. Yeah. Well, I'll lock shields with you, brother. I mean, we've got work to do. We're born into a war, but it's, it's a war for something that's, that's great. You know, they say Jesus looked beyond the cross. He looked beyond the suffering to the hope that lay ahead. And it's not hope like a desperate hope. It's, it's sure and certain. So what we're fighting for is very important. It's, it's very important right now because we have, kids to say we have kids being mutilated we have kids being influenced into to terrible things but it's also the ultimate battle between good and evil as you know and mm -hmm. somebody made a comment on my social media one time saying why would god create hell and i said god doesn't create hell we create it for ourselves because god isn't just some old man up in the sky <laughs> he's mm -hmm. the source of life and love he is the the ultimate there's not an infinite regression you know going back there is a creator the Big Bang showed us that there is a God, that there was a beginning point to everything. So people create their own hell when they cut themselves off from the source of, of life and from the source of love. So um, that's what we're doing. Ultimately, we have to stand firm and stand strong as men. And we need men more than ever before. But we also fight out of love, not because, like they say, what we hate, what's in front of us, but because we love what's behind us, you know. Absolutely. What would you like to say if you could say something to Eric Metaxas? What would you like to say? Because I'll take this clip out and, and pass it on to him. Eric Metaxas, if I could tell you anything, it would be thank you. 2010, I can't remember what year it was. My younger sister graduated from Liberty University, and that was when I was in my wow. spiritual decline. And I heard him give a really, I heard you give a really good speech where you quoted the lead, uh, the Pink Floyd lyrics, where you said, don't trade your walking spot in the war for a lead role in a cage. And you wow. called people wow. to be at a different level of holiness for the generations yeah. that are going to come. And it was at that moment that I finally snapped out of that stupor that I had been stuck in. And I just wanted to say thank you because, you know, I know that you were inspired by the Holy Spirit to say those things. And it takes a man that is literally in tune with God to give the word of God without fear of response or reaction of what people who disagree with, because you do things for pleasing God rather than you do for pleasing people. And it affected me. And because of your example in following God, I followed you when you were praying for election integrity, you know, with all of those pastors and those thousands of people around the 2020 election. And I have followed your ministry faithfully. And because of your example, you've made a soldier out of me. And now I take mm. that example and try to make soldiers out of everybody else. So thank you. That's what I would say to him. That's great. I'll definitely pass that on. So Andrew, thanks so much for joining Freedom Talk. We really enjoyed it. We'd love to have you back and uh, keep fighting the good fight. Real quick, where can people contact you? How can we support you? People can get in touch with me on my social media. So on my Instagram, it is A Watson Jam. Yes, A Watson as in Sherlock Holmes and Watson and J-A-M for Jamaica. It was the only username that was available <laughs> when I signed up for it. And then um, on my Twitter, it's A Watson O-L-Y. And if you need a speaker or anybody else that is not afraid of mobs crowds, but really loves, you know, poking the enemy, that kind of thing. I was like, I'm your guys. It's the time for people to awesome. wake up and stop being afraid. I, you need to get so used to warfare that you wake up looking for a fight to get in because you're so used to bringing the truth because 
fear and all that stuff, they always run when they when yeah. they can't stand against like hardcore facts. And that's what I want to do. So Love we're in it, this man. together. Okay, that's right. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much. Keep up the good fight, buddy. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. So, Andrew, what is wrong with me today? <laughs> I'm just having a good conversation, brother. <laughs>